Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Shandy Devas going to do another job on our concrete conceptions and our concrete self-centeredness. Um, do you find that between one Thursday and another, you think about the teachings, or is it more that they make sense when you hear them and the moment you get up, you go back to, you know, I'm the most important and I want to get what I want? You know, how much, how much do you remember the, the teachings and think about them in between? Yeah. Do, do, does it, is it changing your behavior at all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just amazing how the, the I mean, it's so kind of logical, these teachings. And, and yet the moment we get up, we just go right back into self-centeredness as my best friend, you know, and it's going to protect me and it's going to look out for me and it's going to help me be successful and happy. And yet we just, you know, got through going, you know, went through verses telling about how much our self-centeredness makes us miserable. And we were saying, yeah, that's really true. But, <laughs> look out for the buts. <laughs> okay. Uh, whenever our mind says, yes, but, Something's going on. <laughs> okay, so let's visualize the merit field and all the sentient beings that we're trying so hard to see as kind, and yet our mind looks at and says, oh, too much. And yet when we really examine our life, Yes, sentient beings are amazingly kind. And so many of them are kind to us, even though they don't even know us. And do we repay that kindness, or do we take it for granted? So let's switch our motivation to one of caring about others and specifically caring about them in the long term. So it doesn't mean being a people pleaser in the short term, doing your little dance so that everybody likes you. It means looking at the long term and what is really best that will help living beings abandon the self-grasping ignorance and the self-centered thought. So let's cultivate our motivation. 
It's one of the verses that we talked about last week. It said, If all the injury, fear, and pain in this world arises from grasping at a self, then what use is that great ghost to me? That's a good one to think about. And so it's a mind that clearly sees the harms of the self-centered thought and the self-grasping ignorance. And let's make a determination not to follow them. And that opens up a lot of space in our mind through which we can then generate love and compassion and bodhicitta. So I want to go back uh, to that verse again. Okay, it's uh, 134. If all the injury, fear, and pain in this world arise from grasping at a self, then what use is this great ghost to us? Usually when we think of ghosts, we think of an external being, kind of, you know, amorphous blob floating around, you know, like when Halloween with a sheet over your head and two eyes cut out, floating around and it's, uh, it's going to come and get you. It's going to bite you, you know, like the ticks and the mosquitoes and, and harm you. But do we ever think of the great ghost as being the self-centeredness, which is, uh, not something external to us. Yeah, it's right there in our mind, safe and secure. And that is the ghost that deceives us and torments us and so on. So it's an interesting way, you know, because we usually think harms come from outside, 
this is saying, no, the biggest harm comes from inside. Yeah. So the seed of the afflictions that continue them on, yeah, are a habit of just reacting uh, with knee-jerk emotions and knee-jerk actions when certain things happen. Our, our habit of misinterpreting events uh, and being convinced that we're really seeing the reality when we're actually seeing something through a very skewed, painted, distorted lens. So uh, I was thinking of a few examples this morning. So coming back to the the mind we've talked about before, that I don't feel like at mind. Yeah. Uh, so this this is a mind that it's it also procrastinates. Yeah. It's like we know there's something that we need to do. But we don't feel like it, you know. Now, uh, what makes us not feel like it? What does not feel like it mean, you know? It's it's an interesting question, yeah. But as soon as we say to ourselves, I don't feel like it, then then we give ourselves permission to procrastinate, to put it to the side. So I was thinking, you know, when I say I don't feel like it, then somehow the the thing that I have to do, which I know I'm going to have to do, just appears so much not fun. Yeah, not amusing, difficult. I'm going to have to exert myself. Yeah, and so I procrastinate, you know, in the back of my mind thinking that it will just go away and then I won't have to do it. Okay, do you have that one? You know, yeah. You know it's something you're going to have to do. Yeah. But you're hoping it'll, it'll kind of disappear by itself. And of course it doesn't. <laughs> and then uh, you're stuck in this thing of, I should do that, but I don't feel like it. And the mind that says, I don't feel like it, is that a happy mind? Yippee, I don't feel like doing this. No, it's not a happy mind. <laughs> yeah, when I'm in that mind of I don't feel like it and I put it off, I'm actually more unhappy than if I nudged myself and did it and finished what I knew I had to do. Yeah. So it's, an, it's a great example of working against ourselves and shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, I, don't, I have more misery not doing it than doing it and finishing it. And I also see that many of the things that I don't feel like doing yeah, once I start doing, I'm into it, and I and it's fine, and I enjoy it. But it's at that beginning of like uh, enormous effort. I feel like who's the guy that's pushing the boulder up the hill? 
Fis Fis yeah, that guy. So <laughs> I was never very good at Greek and Roman mythology. Um, you know, you you feel like like you you just you know to get yourself to just start doing it. It's like this tremendous, exhausting effort, and yet once you start. You know, the wheels are greased and it flows and you get it done and you feel so much better when it's done. And it didn't take that long. Yeah. But I don't feel like it. So I don't do it. And I sit there being miserable. Okay. So that, that's a, a good example of self-centered thought, isn't it? You know, and how it totally miss construes the situation and causes us more difficulty. Okay, so I, I thought of a few other examples this morning. Um, when, when you're angry, when you think uh, people are not being fair, you're not being treated fairly, yeah? And it looks like the whole world is conspiring against you. Because everywhere you turn, what you face is no. Or everywhere you turn, what you face is do this or don't do that. Okay? So this is, your mind is, you know, completely calibrated so that you see every situation as either no or don't, you can't do this, or you must do that. Yeah. And so you get angry. You know, the world is not fair. I want to do this. I'm just as qualified as the next person, but they won't let me do it. Yeah. So you look and you're, you know, your whole world is, uh, all the discomfort and pain and unhappiness is coming from outside because these people just don't treat you fairly. They're partial. They're filled with partiality, ignorance. What is it? Partiality, hatred, fear, and ignorance. Okay? It's from the Vinaya. Yeah. And what's interesting is if you accuse the, the Sangha of having partiality, hate, fear, and ignorance, that can be uh, quite a big um, transgression of various precepts. So it's, you know, when you find yourself going, it's not just one person, the whole community, the way these people think and they act, you know, I should be able to do this. I am qualified and they aren't letting me. Yeah. And so I'm going there because it is my right and I should be able to do this. Okay, so whether you're working at a job or you're doing something here, yeah, it's like I should be able to do this. I'm qualified. It's their problem. They have it out against me. And everywhere I look in this world, everybody is always getting in my way. Every, I have so many things I want to do, so many good qualities, 
and all I face is, no, you can't do it. Someone else got the promotion. Someone else is doing it before you. <sighs> what is going on, you know? And you're furious. Okay. And you're certain that the whole problem is other people. You're a hundred percent convinced of that. Because I have good intentions. And I work hard. And I try hard. And I should have this. But these people, yeah, they play favorites. And they discriminate against me. And eventually, you sound like the bull down there. <laughs> you know? When, when he goes, Yeah? Then that's the way we sound. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's another example of self-centeredness, isn't it? Yeah? And what's happening, you know? We're all, you know, who's the star of the, of the show? The show is other people don't give me credit and they discriminate against me. Who's the star? Me. Me is all about me. Yeah. I don't think of other people in this world who face real discrimination. Yeah. Rather, I'm more obsessed with my the discrimination that my own mind has created. Yeah. So I ignore other people's experience. Yeah. And, and I just, all the, the importance in the world goes to this one. Yeah. And I'm going to stand up for my rights. Yeah. And then you say all sorts of things that really help the situation. Yeah. You whine. You complain. You go to somebody in charge. How come so-and-so gets to do this and I don't? It's not fair. Yeah. I should be able to. I've worked hard. I'm qualified. You people don't see how good I am. Wine, wine, wine. Uh, uh. <laughs> okay? So, of, of course, that convinces the other person. That, yes, you're qualified and you're talented. Yeah. And what you, what are you now known as? As qualified and talented? For whining. <laughs> yeah. And so they still don't do what you want them to do. So you whine some more. Yeah. So this is all self-centeredness, isn't it? Okay, so that was the second example I thought of. Now, the third example, okay, uh, is when we're really confused, okay? Where so you're in a situation and it's like you have so many choices. 
Yeah, you have freedom. You have so many choices, and you don't know which one to do. So you spend. If I do this one, then and you have it all planned out. But if I do this one, then I can't do that one. But I want to do that one. If I but if I do that one, then I can't do this one. And I actually want to do this one. And is there a way that I can do them both? Yeah, but I don't want fifty-fifty. I want seventy-five percent for this one and twenty-five percent for that one, and and do them both. So which one should I do? Well, let me ask other people what I should do. Yeah, and should I do this one? Should I do that one? And somebody else says, "Why only two? Try this one over here. This one's really good. There's a third option." And. Another friend says, "Well, there's the fourth option, and there's the fifth option, and the sixth option, and maybe you can mix them all together and divide them by six and do equal portions of all of them." You know, but I don't know which one I should do, because if I do one, I can't do the other. Can I do one for a little while and then go backwards in time and then do the other one? And then see how that is. Then go back and try a few more things, and then make my decision what I'm going to do later. I'm so confused. You know, what do I do? This is, you know. So then you go off, you know, and you ask one of your teachers for a mo, and they go, and you, and the answer is, oh, don't do any of those. Do do this thing, and it's like I don't want to do that one. Why is my teacher telling me to do something I don't want to do? Why did I ask for a mo anyway? Let's forget that. <laughs> okay. No, I'm gonna now. I'm gonna do something different. Yes, I'll go in Singapore to on on what's the name of this the with the sticks Waterloo. on Waterloo the Waterloo Street Temple. Yeah, and everybody goes there. And you do a Chinese style mo, okay? Which means that you know you you throw these sticks, and then it, you know you get a number and you pick out the piece of paper with that number. But the nice thing about doing the Waterloo one is you interpret the meaning. <laughs> so even though this slip of paper says do the thing that you don't want to do, you. Can say, oh well, that really is pointing out to me how I don't want to do it. So it's really steering me towards the one I want to do. But I'm not really sure if I should do the one I want to do, because, you know, it may not work out, and I still really want to do this one. Yeah. So okay. Well, I did Waterloo.、Uh, what、uh, What else?、Uh, what else can I do?、Uh, oh, tarot cards. Yes. I'll go do tarot cards, and then you th- do the thing with the tarot cards, and they have all sorts of pictures on them. And like, what in the world do these things mean? Yeah, well, they must mean what I want to hear. So, yeah. So then you do a tarot card. Me, oh yes, this is what I really wanted. But then again, it's like, no, no, I don't want that one. I want this one. And somebody else also told me of the seventh option that I could actually do. You know, so maybe I should do that one. So forget the t- tarot cards. I'll do the I Ching. Yeah, I Ching is good too because it gives you multiple answers and you can interpret the result. But you don't like 
your interpretation of the result either. And you're very confused. And so then you go and you ask one of your teachers what to do. And they say something and you, your immediate response is no. And so, the, and so then you go and ask another teacher what you should do. And, and they tell you and, and your response again is no. And then you get, I mean, that's why you have a short hair because you pulled it all out because you don't know what decision to make. And you're just like, you know, <laughs> anybody know that mental state? So, uh, when I was thinking about this, uh, I remember uh, being at, at Dorji Pomo in the early 80s. And whenever somebody would get really confused, you know, they would go to talk to Geshe Tekchok. And Geshe Tekchok, what he would tell them, the advice was, don't think so much. And then you'd come back. Why is he telling me not to think so much? I need to think. I need to think and sort this out. I have to use my own reasoning and own logic, which is terrible. Actually, it's terribly irrational. But I have to find my real reasoning and logic. And, and I have to think, why is he telling me not to think? You know, llamas are always telling you, think. Think about the teachings. You know, now he's telling me not think. What, I'm supposed to sit there and go, duh. Well, I could do that for a while, duh, and eat some chocolate. Um, yeah, but, but, you know, I'm still confused. I don't know what to do. Yeah. So then I, I, I look at the, at the dirt, you know, that I'm walking on, and I can see shapes in the dirt, yeah? And that will give me, uh, you know, you see the shape, it'll give me ideas of what to do. And, and it's seeing letters. You know, it's just like Lama Lotso in Tibet. <laughs> you know, you go to Lama Lotso. Oh, it's fantastic, I went there. And you, you, you know, and you sit on top of this, uh, you know, the, there's the lake down at the bottom, and then it comes up like this, and you sit at the top, and you look at the lake, and you see if you see letters, because that's how they find the next Dalai Lama. So, you know, so if that's good for finding the Dalai Lama, it should be good enough for me making a decision. So you look down, and you look, oh, and the water's going this way, and it makes this shape. Is that a Tibetan letter or a Roman letter? Oh, I don't know. Does the lake does the lake speak English? <laughs> you know, can it will it give Roman letters or only Tibetan letters? And is if it's Tibetan, is it the nga or is it da? Because they look alike, it just depends how long your your tail is. And that tail is kind of in the middle. Which letter is that? You know? Okay, so, so you do your thing at Lamalazzo for a while, and then you, you know, travel back, and, and you're still confused what to do. Yeah. And, and then Geshe Liz again says, don't think so much. And you go, Geshe what are you saying? Yeah. I never understood what he meant when he said, don't think so much. Okay. Until I thought about it. 
you know. And what he's pointing out is, you know, my whole thought process is namtok. Yeah, is this proliferation of garbage thoughts. And again, who's the star of the show? Yeah, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. Should I do that? Should I do this? I don't want to do this. I want to do that. If I do this, this will happen. If I do that, that will happen. And how many, how much time do you spin around thinking namtok? Yeah? And how useful is it? It's as if you took your mala and you're going, namtok, namtok, namtok. <laughs> Yeah? Yeah, that's your mantra. Nam 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 nam. And you and then, you know, it, it it's a sadhana with more than one mantra, you know. So you do nam nam and then you do me, I, my and mine, me, I, my and mine. That one has a better melody. Me, I, my and mine, me, I, my and mine, me, I, my and I. Nam tok, nam tok, nam tok. That's that melody isn't so good. Me, I, my and mine, me, I, my and mine. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's another version of the self-centeredness. And how much time do we spend in that? Okay. So, um, you know, when when you make examples from your own life, this verse. You know, if all the injury, fear, and pain in this world arises from grasping it as self, what is the use of that great ghost to me? When you can think of the examples in your life, then this verse really comes alive, you know, and it's like, yeah, that's true. Then you go, well, am I supposed to think about others all the time? I already think about them. This one has this fault, and that one has that fault. This one has this fault. And I have advice for all of them. Yes, I'm becoming a bodhisattva because I have wise advice that I can give to everybody. And if they follow my advice, they will live happily ever after. Yeah, that one's a big hit, too. Yeah. Yeah. But then you start giving everybody your wise advice, and they say, yes, but. Yeah, it's the same yes, but you said when they gave you advice. Yes, but. you know, Why are you saying yes, but? Listen to my advice. I know what's right for you. You should change the way I want you to. So we think love and compassion and bodhicitta is making everybody become what we want them to become. I mean, that's pure appearance. We're told to ha cultivate pure appearance. Pure appearance is everybody doing what I think they should do. Yeah? Then, then the world is pure. It's free from dispute. Yeah? I just see everybody purely, and when they're not pure, I will tell them how to, how to be pure. And pure means doing what I want you to do. Yeah? So, so you see, I, I'm, I'm a good Dharma practitioner. Yeah? 
oh, is that what the book is saying? <laughs> okay. So then uh, the verse after the, the one I read before says, if I do not completely forsake it, I shall be unable to put an end to suffering. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, we'll just keep doing the same old things again and again and again. You know, the, repeat the video of I don't feel like it. Repeat the video of everybody's against me. Yeah, repeat the video of I'm confused, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And we just, you know, we just have a series of different videos and we play one for a while and we get tired of that and then we play another one for a while. And it's interesting how they all star me. Yeah, I am, you know, the chief one of all these dramas. Yeah, I mean, you always wanted to be a Hollywood star, right? Yeah, well, you are, you know, in our own mind, we are the star. Okay. So Shantideva has a few thoughts about stardom. <laughs> okay. So verse 137. Yeah. I am under the control of others. Of this mind, you must be certain. Now, except for benefiting every creature, you must not think of anything else. Well, you don't even get to the end of that verse. You read, I am under the control of others, and instantly there's a rebellion. I am not under the control of others. I already am under the control of others. They boss me around all the time. You know, I thought Dharma was going to make me free, but all these beings are controlling me. And Shanti Deva is telling me to think that I'm under the control of others. So we go, okay, forget that first. Let's just try the next one. See if it says something I like. You know, but the problem is none of these verses say what I like. Yeah. And then after a certain point, you have to go, you know. I'm like the slot machine that never come out, comes out with four strawberries in a row. I keep putting my quarters in and I don't get what I want, you know? Okay, so it's not meaning that you're under the control of others in that way, okay? So don't misinterpret the verse. What Chandideva is saying is, you know, when we look at the world, we should look from the viewpoint of what is the most beneficial for living beings. Yeah. And how can I contribute to what's beneficial for living beings? Okay. And so then, now, except for benefiting every creature, you must not think of anything else. Yeah. Oh, you know, think if you think... You have to know how to think about every creature properly. 
because we think, oh, I care for other creatures, I care for other people, you know, I, I want to benefit them. And then you, you go round and around and around, you know, I care so much, I care so much, you know, how come they're not listening to me? I care so much, I care so much. Yeah. Why aren't they doing what I say? I have such good advice for them. So we think that is love and compassion. Yeah, that's not love and compassion. That's bossing. Okay. So that's not what Shantideva is encouraging us. Yeah. In other words, exchanging self with others doesn't mean now I become the boss and I boss everybody else around. Okay. Okay. But it's saying, you know, to change my whole way, my whole approach to how I see other living beings and how I see the world. And what is most important is remembering the kindness of others, remembering how they're trapped in samsara due to afflictions and karma, and caring about them and seeing whatever big or small thing I can do to contribute to their well-being. Yeah. Instead of going round and around and around and around, you know, me, I, my, and my, me, I, my. That one's a jazzy tune, huh? Yeah. Nam tok, nam tok, nam tok, and get sick of that. Can we jazz that up? Nam tok, nam tok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 138, for my sake, oh, now we're talking, for, for my sake, I should not do anything with these eyes and so forth, which I have left at the disposal of others. It is quite incorrect to do anything with them, which is contrary to the benefit of others. Now it says, for my sake, I shouldn't do anything with my my all my capacities, it says eyes and so forth. It means you know not only what you look and smell and and hear, but you know your attitude and what you do. Because you've you know before when when we took the bodhisattva vow, you remember, yeah, what was it, chapter three? I think we take bodhisattva vow, you know. And we we play, we give our our body to sentient beings, and we say, "I'm going to do what is beneficial for sentient beings," because Chapter One convinced us of the benefit of cherishing others, yeah, and the benefits of bodhicitta. But somehow we got forgot them between Chapter One and where we are now. And we have to remember it again, you know. I've dedicated everything to the welfare of sentient beings. Yeah? So, 
you know, what, what does that mean? You know, it means really seeing that we live in a world filled by other sentient beings who are just like us, wanting happiness and not wanting suffering. And that we have the good fortune of meeting the Dharma, seeing the benefits of bodhicitta, you know, having the aspiration to generate bodhicitta and being able to take the bodhisattva ethical restraints, yeah? And we've dedicated, you know, our body, speech, and mind for the benefit of others. And we did that with a mind, a wisdom mind, yeah? We did that with a mind knowing what we were going to get into, yeah? And we saw with that wisdom mind, knowing what we were getting ourselves into, that it's something that will lead to just incredible benefit and incredible harmony, incredible beauty. Yeah, and that's what we want to dedicate our life towards. And, yeah, there will be challenges on the way because our self-centeredness is not going to roll over and surrender immediately. It's going to put up a good fight. And so we have to be on the lookout for it. And uh, it will try and deceive us. So we have to be on the lookout and catch it as best as we can. Yeah, we're not going to be perfect at the beginning. We're going to follow it a lot. But slowly, slowly, you know, if we really, uh, you know, start examining our own experiences and our own mind, you know, more and more we'll see how that self-centeredness makes us quite unhappy. Yeah. And we'll begin to see how it deceives us, how it makes up all these stories, you know, showing that, you know, what, what, yeah. What I want is actually the best thing for everybody. <laughs> okay, 139. Thus, sentient beings should be my main concern. Whatever I behold upon my body, I should rob and use for the benefit of others. Okay, so when we've dedicated our body, speech, and mind, our possessions and everything, yeah, for the benefit of others, long-term to, you know, so that all of them can become Buddhas, yeah? Then whatever thing I, sh I happen to come across, what's given to me, yeah, then I should think of how I can use this to, to be a benefit to others, yeah? And it's, uh, yeah. So if, if your self-centered mind is attached to something, then you steal it from your self-centered mind. You steal it and you give it away. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to wait and have attachment for something before you give it away. But, um, you know, when it says, I should rob and use for the benefit of others, that's a very good way of, of dealing with when our mind has a lot of attachment, a lot of greed, you know, give away the thing that is the object of our afflictions. 
don't cling on to it because we're just going to go round and around with it some more and not be very happy. Okay. Okay, so now verse 140, yeah, is going to talk about uh, having exchanged ourselves with others because we've seen the disadvantages of self-centeredness, the benefits of cherishing others. But we haven't talked that much about the benefit of cherishing others. But just think about it, you know. Think about what would it be like if you were a cooperative person. <laughs> yeah? Just think about it. Think of all the interactions you have with other people uh, and your attitude of is one of being cooperative instead of being like that. Yeah? How, how would your relationships with other be- people be? How would those instances of when you're sure somebody's trying to control you, if you approach them as, as being cooperative and wanting to work together with somebody, how, how would you feel then? Would you still feel this, as disgruntled as you feel when you think that people are trying to control you? And you have no freedom. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're cooperative, does it just, again, grease the wheels and, and you get along so much better with other people? Yeah. And, you know, you can see it when, when you, you catch yourself and you say, okay. Some you go in the kitchen and somebody says, cut the carrots into long, thin strips. You hate long, thin strips of carrots. You know, we should cut the carrots this way so that they're round circles. Yeah. Yeah. They're nicer that way, aren't they? They look prettier. Yeah. So somebody tells you to cut the carrots into strips and you say, uh, can I cut them into circles? They look much nicer this way. And then somebody else comes in and says, actually, let's shred the, the carrots. Yeah, if we shred them, then, the, you know, it's really good. And then another person says, we have to fe- peel them first because they look dirty, uh, you know, because they, yeah. And then another person comes in and says, but all the vitamins are right under the skin. We shouldn't feel, peel the carrots. Oh, eternal bliss. <laughs> yeah? And then everybody stands up for their way of peeling, the, of dealing with the carrots. Yeah? And as a result, um, Lunch isn't ready because <laughs> everybody's still discussing what to do with the carrots. Yeah. And just imagine what would come in if somebody says, you know, cut them in squiggles. And you're going, why, huh? 
Okay, I'll cut them as squiggles. Just show me how to do it. I'll do it. Yeah? Would that be easier than advocating for your way? Yeah? We are not peeling the carrots. We're saving the vitamins. Okay. So first of all, don't peel the carrots. And then you say, Venerable said so. So then you have somebody on your side, yeah, who may not, may or may not have said that. But that doesn't matter. You're sure you heard them agree with your idea before. Dawa said so. Yeah? Huh? Dawa said so. Dawa said so, yes. <laughs> Dawa said, peel the carrots. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Oh, by the way, Geshila, uh, Dawa gave me a message for you, and, and he said, thank you so much for putting the, the carrot peels out the other day, and and he had a wonderful lunch, uh, but I came by the next day, and I'm not sure if it was all Dawa's relatives or if it was the deer, but all the carrots were gone, all the carrot peelings were gone, but so Dawa says, uh, Bakshish, Bakshish. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But the abbess said, don't peel the carrots. Oh. She said, benefit sentient beings, but don't peel the carrots. Those two are contradictory. Yeah. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Okay. Next world crisis. <laughs> but just think about it, you know. How so much we have the knee-jerk reaction of uh, we we all have our own patterns of knee-jerk reaction. Okay, so one is you know I I have a better idea. Okay, how to peel the carrots. Another one is you said it wrong, and I've got to tell you the right way. Okay, so. Uh, yes, I'm okay with cutting the carrots in long, thin pieces. But the way you say to cut them is wrong. Okay? I watched a TV show that said how to cut carrots. Okay. So I'm going to edu educate you because you don't want to cut the carrots wrong. Because if you cut the carrots wrong, yeah, Everybody will think bad of you. Yeah. So I'm going to help you out, teach you how to, how to cut them right. You hold the knife like this. No, you hold the knife like this. No, you don't use that knife. You use this knife. Yeah. And then you put the knife on top of the carrot and you push. And you have a cut carrot. Yeah. Perfectly cut carrot. Yeah, of course, the other person knew that already. But, you know, you have to show them the right way. Because everybody at lunch is going to inspect the carrots. So you have to make sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, whenever there's a situation, you're the person who knows the right way to do it and who's going to make sure everybody does it the right way. 
Okay. Then, so that, for some people, that's their MO. Yeah. For other people, it's again, why do I have to do it? Yeah. I'm good at rocket science. Why are you having me cut the carrots? Yeah. So and so is bet, should cut the carrots. I'm too good to cut carrots. Yeah. Look, I have my degree in rocket science. Yeah. So if you want me to do anything with carrots, I'm sending them to outer space. Yeah? Together with the rocket that I designed. Okay? Then other people, yeah. I mean, everybody has their own way, isn't it? And we see our self-reacting in that way. Some people cut the carrot. You know, somebody says, cut the carrots. Yeah. And immediately, ten questions. How do you want the carrots cut? What color carrots? Do I peel them or not peel them? What time should I cut the carrots? Yeah. Uh, how many, uh, if I to cut them this way, do you want it that big? If you want it that way, do you want it this big? And you ask uh, ten questions. Yeah. And you wait for somebody to answer because, you know, you don't know how to cut the carrots unless your ten questions are answered. Yeah? Now, that's the way you respond to everything, with questions. You don't think about what the person said, you know, and try and figure it out. You come back with ten questions. Yeah? And then the person doesn't answer, and you go, but I asked all these good questions. I need to know the answer to these questions. Yeah, I can't go on in this, I know. Yeah. Which knife do I cut the carrots with? Okay. And then other people, you know, cut the carrots. Uh, I want to try them first. Yeah. I, I want to taste them. So, you, you know, this person's thing is there's attachment to carrots. Yeah. So I'm going to see if they're good carrots. I'm not going to cut the carrots. I'm going to check them out first and see if they are the quality that I think they should be. Yeah. And some carrots are straight and some carrots are crooked. Oh, dear. What do we do? Yeah, can I serve crooked carrots to the sangha? Yeah. No, I should serve the crooked carrots. They're more interesting. Can I serve straight carrots to the sangha? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let me look up what Jay Rinpoche said about this. <laughs> Yeah. Jay Rinpoche said, the carrots appear but don't exist the way they appear. <laughs> okay. So that means they're, they appear crooked but they don't exist as crooked. Mm. What did 
I better read a commentary to Jay Bridge. <laughs> okay. So to look at, at, at what our habit is. Yeah. Or, oh, here's the carrots. Yeah. Will you write a blurb about, the, about it for the e-news? <laughs> we need to put this in the e-news that we got a shipment of carrots to cut. Yeah. Yeah. So, so please, you know, just a small uh, thing for the e-news, not five paragraphs. Small. Anyway, I'm going to change it around. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's due in five minutes. <laughs> okay. So look, you know, what is our habitual way of responding to things? Yeah. And what would happen if we responded with an attitude of, of just cooperating? Yeah. Cut the carrots. Yeah. The person didn't say how to cut the carrots, so it must be okay anyway I cut them. So then you cut them in half, and everybody has carrots this long for lunch. That's okay, you know. <laughs> At least lunch was ready. <laughs> yeah, instead of everybody quarreling. Okay. So... Now we get into, uh, yeah, uh, into verse 130, which is about having exchanged ourself and others, how to achieve it through thought. Okay. And so here we first talk about, uh, exchanging ourself with, uh, people that we consider lower than us and then people that we consider equal to us, and then people who we consider better than us. And so we imag imagine changing ourselves with them and looking back at how we appear in their eyes. Okay? Getting what I mean? Yeah? Okay. So... uh Verse 140 is start, gives the overall for that. It says, considering lesser beings and so forth as myself, meaning we exchange with them, and considering myself as others, I be, look at things from their viewpoint, in the following way I should meditate upon envy, competitiveness, and self-importance. So who do we have in envy towards people who are lower, higher, or equal? Higher, okay. Meditate on envy, competitiveness. Who do we have that for? Equal, okay. And self-importance, arrogance, yeah. for people who we see as lower. Okay, so I'm going to meditate on envy, competitiveness, and self-importance with a mind free of distorted concepts. Oh, I can't have my usual namtok? Yeah, but actually, this is a very skillful way of, of putting our namtok to good use. Okay, so verse 141, yeah, 
starts with um, exchanging ourselves with somebody who we consider lesser than ourselves. Okay, so it says, okay, he is honored, but I am not. I have not found wealth such as he. He is praised, but I am despised. He is happy, but I suffer. It's not fair. Yeah, I'm jealous. I'm envious. I should have those things. I have to do all the work while he remains comfortably at rest. Yeah, so not only that do I have to, am I deprived what, of what I should have, but I don't get what I want. He is renowned as great in this world, but I am renowned as inferior. Yeah, with no good qualities as all, at all. Huh. Okay, so here you are the person who your present eye, your present eye seems this sees this person as less than, than than you. So these words are said by the person who's less than you, except now you have become this person and you're looking back at your usual self, okay, yeah, and you're envious of your usually usual self, and you think everything is unfair because that person gets all the good stuff and you get blamed, you have to do all the work. This is, you know, the whiner's delight, yeah? If you love whining, yeah, that, that's how it comes across. You're seeing yourself as lower than others and you envy others. Except now we're the, we're exchanging. We're looking back at our old self. How does our old self look to somebody who we, we think is inferior? Yeah. How does that old self look? Huh. You know? She's honored, she has wealth, she's praised, she's happy. Yeah, she doesn't have to do any of the work. She can just hang out and talk and rest and, you know, play pickleball. And, and you know, and I have to do all the work. And I work hard, but I don't have money. And I'm despised and I'm low status. And it's not fair. Okay? And that's how our old self looks in the eyes of somebody who is lower. How do you feel about appearing that way to other sentient beings? Do you take great pride in, in appearing superior to them? Do you take great pride in rubbing it in? Yeah that they're of lesser value and you're the important one. Yeah, that you're the one that can boss them around. They're lower, but you can boss them. Yeah. How, how would you feel knowing that other people looking, 
look at you as being very bossy. Okay? What makes you bossy? Self-centered mind. Okay? This, this is a little bit hard. Yeah? But see it? You know, we always hear, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Okay, so think of it in that way. You're putting yourself in the shoes of somebody who you considered lower than your, you consider lower yourself. And so now you're standing in their shoes, looking back at your old self. And this is how your old self appears. Yeah, to them. Yeah. Oh, they have wealth, they have praise, they have everything. Yeah. And I am denigrated. I don't have it. Yeah. He, you know, that person's renowned. And I'm jealous because I have just as much to share. Okay. Can you imagine other people looking at you with those eyes and thinking like that? Yeah. How do you feel if you appear that way to others? And what is making you appear that way to others? Yeah. It's the self-centered thought because we're kind of walking around thinking we're, you know, hot potatoes or whatever it is. Huh? And so the other person's jealous. Yeah. Yeah, well, where are you, what are you sticking them? What's the sticking point? Are you getting this? Yeah? So in this example, we're being prideful. It's not like the other person just has an affliction in their mind. We're actually like yeah. looking down on them. You know, the old us <laughs> that we're... We, yeah, we're seeing that. how we appear to somebody that we consider inferior. Okay. Yeah. We put them down and we are snotty and Right. Yeah. Yeah. But here, right now, you're you're playing the part of the person you're putting down and you look back at your old self and and you're and as the person who is less than you're saying, oh, yeah, that person's pretty snotty and they're really conceited. Yeah, but what about me? I have some good qualities too. Yeah, and they're totally ignoring it. I have something I can offer. How come they always put me in the lowest job? So I, I've been working on that first before, and when I look at this, it, it helps me more, maybe, or at least that's how uh, how it worked, was to to help with my own envy. Because it's not nice if somebody, if you have, you just happen to have good qualities and somebody's looking at you in this way. Mm -hmm. So is it like this yeah. or it's more the, the pride? No, it's both. Okay. It's both. You can see how destructive en envy is, but you can also see how you look to other people. And then you go, I don't, I don't like to, I don't, you know, so I don't like to appear as somebody who's, who's conceited and bossy and whatever. So it's both, I think. Yeah? 
Here, I think it's it's more towards looking how at how your old self appears, yeah. But uh, because when we uh, do the other exchange, that'll come in a few more va- verses where you see the the disadvantage of envy, yeah. But it, it's both; it comes with both, yeah. Yeah. So you can just hear in in this. You can hear. The um, these ver- in these verses, you can hear it's unfair. You can hear whining. You and, but you can also hear envy. Yeah, and you can hear. You can understand where the the person who's lesser than you can understand how that person feels and how they could look at the old you as some pompous whatever, yeah? So that's good for us to to think about how we appear to other people, you know? And do do we act in a very proudful way? Mm -hmm. So you can just hear it. I have to do all the work. So you could do it in the whiny tone. I have to do all the work while he remains comfortably at rest. He is renowned as a great, great in this world, but I as inferior with no good qualities at all. Where's my tissue? Okay. Or it could be said, you know, he's honored, but I'm not. I have not found wealth such as he. I should have. The world should have given it to me. He's praised, but I'm despised. What would it be like to be praised if I were a rich man? Da 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 da. I I can't remember the words. If I were a wealthy man, whoa. Okay, so. Yeah. So that's how the rich guy looks. Yeah. It was interesting in the movie, you know, when he went to to, to bargain away his daughter. Yeah. Remember, he first thought they were talking about cows. <laughs> what are you gonna? Yeah, you want both of them, don't you? What am I gonna do with two? Oh, the same thing you do with one. You know, you're talking about cows, aren't you? No, I'm talking about my daughter. <laughs> that was a great scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. But how, you know, he was in the house of, of the, the wealthy person. What was the first comment he made when he went into uh, that, that house of the wealthy person? Oh, you got all this money from killing innocent animals, didn't you? Envy. Yeah. You got this, but you don't deserve it. You killed all those animals. It was a good point, actually. But then, of course, he went home and he ate meat himself. Yeah. But um, we don't look at that. Okay. So those are the, the two verses we're looking and just feeling like you're inferior looking at somebody who's better than you. Now, 
the inferior person who you are now identifying with switches and says, oh, what do you mean I have no good qualities? I have all good qualities. Yeah. Compared to many, he, your old self, is inferior. And compared to many, I am high. And it's true, isn't it? I'm better than some other people. And that person is also inferior to some other people. Yeah. The deteriorated state of my morals and views is not due to me, but due to my disturbing conceptions. Yeah. So again, you're envious. What do you do? Blame, blame something else. Yeah. But maybe starting to accept some responsibility. Why am I inferior? Due to my disturbing conceptions. But in whatever way he, your old self, is able, he should heal me. Okay, I'm inferior because of my disturbing conceptions. But he who is greater than me should heal me. He should work for my benefit. And willingly I shall accept any discomfort involved. Yeah? So now you're looking at your old self as you know, oh, you know, you're better than others, well, then you have some responsibility to help them, not just lord over them, but you have a responsibility to do something. Yeah. And then at that point, you know, maybe you see your self-centeredness go, yeah, I do have that responsibility, but I really like my wealth and I've deserved, worked very hard for it. I should be able to do this. And then your wisdom mind says, this is when yes, but is useful. Yes, but, yeah, you, it was an unfair playing ground to start with and you had some advantages. And so, you know, it's good if you help others now. Okay. And then you're still looking back at yourself, you know, so you're still saying, I'm inferior, you know, but you're not whining about it now. Now you're saying, okay, you know, it's unfair, but that person should help me become better. Yeah. But I am not being healed by him. So why does he belittle me? He should be helping me and instead he belittles me. What use are his good qualities to me or to anybody else? Although he has good qualities, he does not benefit me. Yeah. So you turn around and the person that you're envious of, you know, now you see them as actually responsible for helping you. They're not doing it. So again, you criticize. Yeah. And you criticize, they should be doing more to help. Yeah. But with no compassion for the beings who dwell in the poisonous mouth of harmful realms, externally he is proud of his good qualities and wishes to put down the wise. Yeah. And so, again, looking at that old self, you know, he thinks he's so great, but he doesn't have compassion for anybody. Yeah, he's proud of his good qualities. He puts down people who are better than him. But you're looking back at your old self. Okay, 
and seeing these qualities in your old self. And of course, part of you says, no, I'm not like that. Check up. Check up. Yeah. We have our own subtle little ways of making ourselves better than other people. Yeah. And the carrots prove it. <laughs> okay. Okay, then, then uh, at verse 147, here we're exchanging ourselves with somebody who's equal to us. But let me pause first before doing that. And do you have any questions so far or comments? Yeah. So are those last uh, few verses also about kind of helping us have compassion for the person we might see as inferior and be like, oh, they should just get over it. Like, I don't know why they're so upset at me. Mm -hmm. uh, but to see like, no, that's really... Their mind is upset. It's not a fun place to yeah. be in to have all those thoughts. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you could look at it and say, well, yeah, they're inferior me. Why? Because all they do is whine and complain. That's not the point of it. We are already putting them down. The point is to look back at how we appear in somebody's eyes, how we appear arrogant, saying, oh, you know, why are you poor? You're a lazy bum. Go out and get a job. Yeah. Oh, you you can't get a good paying job because you don't have an education. Well, that's because you know you were a lazy bum and you didn't you didn't get an education. So go back to school, get an education. I'm not giving you any money. That's my hard earned money. Okay. And you're looking at how you appear to that person's eyes. Yeah, you're not looking and, and doing that argument about how, see, you really are inferior. Yeah, it's looking at your old self and seeing, yeah, I do have my nose in the air sometimes. Mm, only sometimes. Mm, many times. A lot. <laughs> okay. This is probably my self-centered mind um, just uh, saying yes, but um, but I'll say it anyways. <laughs> um, and how I am hearing this and also have this kind of contradiction of like, but I'm trying to work on my attachment to reputation. And here I am being concerned that someone thinks I'm a jerk. Okay. So... If, if what that's bringing up is attachment to reputation, okay, that's not the point of, well, in, in, a, uh, in a way it is, because you're playing the lower guy, looking at that person who is very attached to the reputation. Yeah, and who does all sorts of little things to increase their reputation and put you down. Okay, so don't look at it as if you are 
still that person attached to your reputation. You're still the lower person looking at that person as, oh, yeah, look, you know, going around. What attachment to their reputation. They think they're such a great Dharma practitioner. They aren't. They should be helping me, but they're more looking out for their own welfare and reputation. That's how to look at it. Yeah, that's what can be very confusing about these verses is all sorts of other thoughts can come in the process. Mm -hmm. So it looks like the lower self has got an element of truth in what it's saying about yes. the other self. And that's, that's exactly the point it. that we want to see is yeah. that they are pointing out something that we're not seeing ourselves. Right. Yeah, they have an element of truth. And even if what they're doing is whining or feeling sorry for themselves, still we can understand why they would see us in that way. Yeah, because we're acting in a certain way. Mm -hmm. We have been all in all three of these positions, so we know exactly what the, what the, the voice is saying. Right. And, and, and for... I think for each of us, there's probably one of those three positions that we feel the most defensive about mm -hmm. and the one that we fall into by default more quickly than others. Yeah. So depending on what yep. it's Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's this quote that is floating around, and I've seen it attributed to different people, but it says, it doesn't matter what you do or say, people will remember how you made them feel. Feel, Yeah. So it's like, how does my behavior make others feel? I think mm -hmm. that's what yeah. they're trying to get across. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, we we should be clear from our own side. And if they have a problem with that, you know, that's their own stuff to work yeah. on. But for our side, have a kind attitude towards them. Yeah. yeah. Because how do you feel when somebody looks down on you? Yeah, when somebody looks down on you, you have good qualities and other people totally bypass you. Totally. Yeah, and they think that you're nothing. And it, it could be because of basic prejudice, you know, even racial or, or class prejudice or whatever. Um, but it also could be for other reasons, too. But in any case, you know, how do I appear to others? And do I want to appear that way? Or can I appear as a kind person who, like your quote says, makes other people feel good? But I'm doing that not because I'm a people pleaser and want them to like me, but because I actually care about them. I have a question about the examples you gave before on the I don't feel like mine and angry and being confused, yeah. those three. So, yeah, I'm wondering, is it mostly the self-grasping mind or the self-centered mind that's behind? Oh, I think you could ruminate about that for at least five years. Is it self-grasping or self-grasp? Self well, it, it must be self-grasping because... The, you know, the eye is appearing very strong, but no, it must be self-centered because I'm thinking only of that eye. 
um, but is it grasping at I or is it grasping at mine? Yeah. And is it the, the, um, the very subtle self-centeredness that cares about my own awakening or is it the gross self-centeredness that comes out as attachment in this life? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Huh? Yeah, they're very good friends. They're hard to tell apart. Yeah. They look like twins, but they're actually quite different. These, um, the verses on looking at your old self as how arrogant it is. <laughs> it's reminding me of when I first started teaching and I had my fancy pants Ivy League degree and went and taught. And all the students were looking at me like, who do you think you are? You are so irrelevant to our lives. I don't know. It was very shocking for me to try to hold both, you know, yeah. to see like, wow, I'm incredibly arrogant and they see it and they're not afraid. I mean, they're just reflecting that back to me yeah. every day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, when I went into uh, my own first classroom, that was all my own classroom, I had come back from India, so I had uh, the um, anklets on that the Indian with, with, uh, women wear that that jingle when you walk. So I walked into a you know a fifth grade class in the inner city with my long hair and my Indian clothes and my my jingling anklets, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine how those kids looked at me? <laughs> it's like, who is this lady, you know? <laughs> yeah, I thought, oh, descended from Mars. <laughs> oh, very humbling. Um, so I was thinking... When, uh, I would, you know, I was saying, what would happen if we were just being cooperative when somebody asked us, if we just approached it with cooperation? And to check if your mind is really uh, seeing it as cooperation, because cooperation, <laughs> it means that you're a team player. Yeah, this may not be your way of doing it, but it works, and you're being a team player, okay? But we could also misunderstand, when I say be cooperative, to mean I just give up, and now this person bosses me around, so I'm being cooperative, even though I think they're doing it wrong and a jerk, but I'm trying to be nice. That's not what it means. But we can hear that when we, when we think we're the one has, who has to be cooperative. When we think, no, we should do it my way and they should cooperate with me. We don't see any of that. We don't see it as like we're putting the other person down. Yeah. But when we have to cooperate, yeah. So you see how our mind has these old ruts of how we interpret different situations. This is the namtope coming. So we say cooperate equals 
being lesser than. Yeah, is that true? Yeah. I am lesser than because I cooperate. Yeah, if you cooperate, are you lesser than? No. Yeah, then why does my mind keep going there and saying, if I'm cooperative, I'm lesser than, so I've got to stick up and give my opinion? Okay? Because, you know, I, I, I want to be cooperative is, you know, I'm a team player. I'm joining in with what everybody else is doing because we share a common goal. And it's really nice to work with other people who I share a common goal with, even though we may have different ways of getting from point A to point B. But it's nice to do that. Okay? So look at how you interpret things. There she is telling me what to do again. <laughs> no, no, it's not me. Don't criticize me. I'm not doing anything. It's Shanti Deva. Yeah. If you don't like what you're hearing, blame Shanti Deva. But me, I'm just trying to work for your benefit. <laughs> oh, oh, now I've appreciated how wonderful. Finally. It's about time. <laughs>